Do you know what a recipe is? Not the recipe if you're a Walton's fan. And we're not talking about the recipe, okay? We're not talking about the, the Baldwin sisters here. We're talking about just in general a recipe. A recipe is this. You can push the button. A recipe is this. A set of instructions for preparing a particular dish, including a list of ingredients required. Now that's a recipe, right? It, 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 is, it is a set of instructions or guidances that, that, that for preparing a particular dish. It includes, yes, of course, it includes a, 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 the list of ingredients. So I, I was up early this morning and I made some brownies. And I want to I want to share these brownies with anyone that wants to wants a brownie that I made this morning. Now it, they're 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 a little weird, but but if you I mean if if you if if I was if I was bringing you a brownie like this, you would say you didn't follow the recipe. So, something you didn't do. You didn't follow the instructions that were supposed to be there to prepare a particular dish. These are supposed to be brownies. Well, I stopped halfway through the instructions. And I wonder at times in our life, Jesus says, I'll tell you about the guy or the lady who takes my words and puts them into practice. He's like the, or she's like the person that builds their house on the rock. And when the storms of life come, their rock stands firm. They follow the, those that hear my words and listen to my compassionate instruction about the words and even a list of things that I want you to do. I'm not just creating a, a recipe here. I'm giving you something that will give you life and give it to the fullest. But I wonder at times if I don't just leave halfway through the recipe or halfway through what really God wants for me. If I don't finish it out, if I don't continue to walk in it, when it gets tough, then I just kind of back off. Or when I don't have time, it can just back off. And I end up with brownies that only two people in the whole congregation wanted my brownies, and that's because they like the dough better than they do the brownie. Jesus said, I want to tell you about people who hear my words and know that I'm going to empower them to put them together and apply them to life and give them the instructions of how to apply them and give them the, the ability and the strength and the want to, to apply them to your lives so that you can come out in this, in this house that's built on the rock. The foundation is firm and secure no matter what's going on around us. Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray they said, teach us to pray. Give us the recipe. Give us the instructions of how to prepare this dish of prayer. We want to pray like you do, Jesus. We want to pray like you do. And so he sits down, and, 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 and I know comparing maybe what God wants us to do to just simply a recipe, but there's parts of the elements that we need there and the instruction that we need of how long or how, what to add to our life. And Jesus gladly sits down with his disciples, and he begins to teach them how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but, but it's, not, it's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. But he's teaching his disciples because they want to end up with this product at the end, this, this, this dish at the end that's a prayer life like Jesus' prayer life. And that's what they want. They don't want to just, just say a few words or empty words. They want to really know how Jesus gets it done. And so Jesus begins to teach them in Matthew 6. And he says this, And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have already received their reward in full. Don't be like those guys. They just want to hear their, their, they just want other people to hear how, how fancy of words they use. And how, how good it sounds. And they're more worried about what people think of their prayers than this communication with God. He said, don't, don't be like those people. That's not what prayer is. A prayer is not to impress people. That's not what prayer is. That's what he's saying there. So what you don't need in the recipe is, is the worry about impressing people. Because that's not in the recipe. 
You need, to, you need to scratch that out of your recipe of prayer if that's in your recipe that I need to impress people. But then he says in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the word reward means to deliver and keep delivering and give and keep giving. And I don't know if this is a physical room because we see Jesus praying in the public square and we see Jesus praying alone on the mountaintop. We see Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he comes out to Peter, James, and John. He says, can't you even stay awake? This hour of prayer. I need you and you need you. You need to be men of prayer. The, what, where I'm sending you and what you're going to face if you don't spend time in prayer and connection with the Father. You're never going to be able to. You're never going to be able to move forward in life. So I don't know if it's a closet. Maybe you've got a closet, and that's really cool. But in times, that it, it, you pray for so That's cool, too. We pray here. That's cool. I, don't, I think it's in your mind and in your soul. Just go in there just with you and God. I remember times when I've opened my eyes when I've been praying for people in front of people, and I opened my eyes, and I was almost surprised to see that there was people in the room. I wish that would happen every single time. And that's what Jesus said, just between you and the Father. Don't worry about those who may be hearing it at this moment. Verses 7 through 9 says, And when you pray, don't keep babbling like pagans, for they, like, they will be heard if they have many words. It's not about the amount of words that you're praying. It's not about who is hearing. It's about you and God. He's telling his disciples, it's about you and God. It's not about how many words you can generate. Don't be like them because your father knows what you need before you ask him. So it's, it's not just, it's not informing God of what you need. He said he already knows what you need. But it's this communication with the Father, not with other people, but just between you and the Father. And not as many words as you can generate. And you think God would hear you more if you could generate more words. It's not that. If you've got a prayer, a simple prayer, and it hasn't been answered yet, don't think of another way to pray it. Just keep praying it. You don't have to think of another set of words. You don't have to think, well, maybe if I say it this way, God will answer. Just let your heart guide you. If it's the same five words, then it's the same five words from now until next, next, next year at this time. If it's the same word, just pray it. And he said, this then is how you should pray. This is the, now here comes the ingredients that if you want a prayer life like mine, he says, if you want to pray like me, this is what you need to include in your prayer. And he says this, uh, this then is how you should pray, our Father. And he begins, and I know we know this, and I know I've heard people quote it together in groups of people, but I'm really wondering if it's just a rote, to, a rote quote or if it's really a prayer. Because these, Jesus is walking up to us, his disciples are walking up to Jesus and saying, we want to know how to pray like you do. And Jesus says, this is the way you do it. Our Father. And we know that the word Father there is just not, it's just not a hierarchy in, 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 the, in the family order. It's a very relational thing. It's not our principal or not our judge or not our boss or not our coach or not our superior officer. That's not who we're addressing. Jesus said you've got to get that. It's not you're, not you're not trying to convince the judge to let you go. You're not trying to uh, 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 buck up to a, uh, 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 a superior officer. You're not in trouble in the principal's office. You're, it's not your boss. You don't know if you can keep your job. It's not your coat. It's your father. You're addressing your father. You're praying to the father. You want to know how I pray? I step into this room with my father, and so can you, because he's our father. He says, John 1, he says this, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human's decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You have been chosen by God. Disciples, you need to realize you've been chosen by God no matter how you look or how you feel or how you perform. You've been chosen by God, and God wants to have a conversation with you. And that's what prayer is, he says. 
And you've got to know you're stepping into the room with your father, chosen by God, a very relational father, not somebody that you're trying to hornswoggle, as they, we used to say, not trying to convince, but somebody you're spending time with. Jesus tells your disciples, remember that you're not only talking to your father, but you're talking to your dad. It's a relationship with, with the father. Prayer, through prayer, we grow in relationship with the father or our dad. You want to know what prayer is? It's a time to grow in relationship with the father. It's time to grow in relationship with your dad. That's what prayer is. That's where we start. Because we'll have a, a very on again, off again prayer life if we don't realize that we're stepping into our dad's house. And he cares immensely for you. And he wants to hear from you. And he wants to communicate with you. And he wants to talk with you. And he wants to show you who he is. Our father in heaven, Jesus says. You've got to know that God's in heaven and God is bigger than what you think he is. Great is our Lord, it says in Psalm 147, and mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. If I were hungry, God says, I would not tell you because the whole world is mine and all that is in it. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. You got to know what I'm going to tell you when you get into the room with your father, with your dad, is I'm bigger than you think I am. If I was hungry, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have door dashed you to anything. I don't need that. I don't need anything from you. This, I don't need anything from you. I'm not trying to take advantage of you. I'm not trying to drag you in and take advantage of you. I don't need anything from you. My foes are consumed. My, 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 my menu is full, and my power and my, and my knowledge is unlimited. But I still want you to come into the very presence. I'm way bigger than what you think I am. And I know you're facing troubles, and I know you're facing trials, and I know you're facing the things you don't know what even you're facing, but you can just feel them. But you got to know I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than the problems that you're facing. I'm bigger than the next step you got to take. I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. And through prayer, not only do not only we know and grow in a relationship with the Father, with our dad, but we'll, through prayer we will begin to believe that nothing is impossible for our dad. Push the button, please. As you spend time with your dad, talking with him, you're going to start to get the idea. Ooh, ooh, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing off the table. God is bigger than what I think he is. And he wants to, to, wants to pour that into you and pour that into me. Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? I'm telling you how to pray. Come into your father's room and let them tell you how big he is and how mighty he is and how loving he is and how full of grace he is, and how limitless he is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Revered, to, to, guard, to regard someone with admiration or a deep respect, the hallowed, the, the revered, that God would receive honor and respect, that we would value him in our life as much as he values us. said, you are valuable, but I want to be valued in your life. I, I, that I would think the thoughts of God, and the thoughts of God would begin to formulate my thinking. And we've talked about it in here before. We've talked about stinking thinking, and we've talked about where that stinking thinking will get you. And God says, I need you to know that I think about you a lot. I think about you all the time, and I want to give you my thoughts, not only about you, but for you. I don't want anything from you. But I got a lot of stuff for you. And I'm bigger than you think I am. And I'm your dad. And I want you to come in and just have a conversation with me so I can tell you how big I am. So I can tell you how I think about you. How precious, Psalm 139 says, how precious to me, maybe this is my prayer, how precious to me are your thoughts, oh God. How vast is the sum of them, exclamation point. God says, you, when you're in prayer with me, you're going to know how big I am. You're going to know how, how much I'm your dad. But all of a sudden, I'm going to start giving you my thoughts. 
And you're, my thoughts are going to become very precious to you. And you're not just going to push them out the back door as soon as the first trial comes into your life. Do you know that you're my son? Do you know that you're my daughter? Do you know that I'm bigger than what you're facing? I know the doctors can't figure it out, but I got it figured out, and I'm your dad. I'm not just your doctor. I'm your dad. And I'm bigger than what you've got going on. And I want your thoughts, I want my thoughts to become God's thoughts. Through prayer, Father gives the greatest influence in our life. He begins to influence our life because we begin to think like God thinks. And we begin to think about ourselves like God thinks about us. We begin to think about this world and our family and our marriage, how God thinks about that. God says, I want to influence your life. I want to give you what I got. And I'm bigger than you think. And I'm your dad. Will you let my thoughts become your thoughts? Because I think a lot about you. And I think a lot for you. And I want to give it to you. But you only spend a few moments with me. You got half-cooked brownies. You know why they're not baked? Because I made them five minutes before we left here. And the box says, let them bake for like 15 minutes. I said, you got to be kidding me. That's never going to work. i got to be somewhere else in five minutes. God says, well, you're only going to end up with half-baked brownies then. God, I, only got, I, I don't have much time. He said, you're only going to end up with a half-baked prayer life then. And I don't want you to have a half-baked prayer life. I want you to have a prayer life that matters. Like my son had a prayer life. Verses 10 says this, your kingdom come, that the workings of the kingdom of God would manifest. See what we're asking for there? That the kingdom of God would manifest. We, we, uh, uh, do, we, do we understand that the kingdom of God is at hand? Do we see the kingdom of God every day in our life? We sing this song, you are moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you, I worship you. Then, but then we say, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working because you never stop. God, I want to see it more. I don't want to just be okay that I don't see what you're doing. I want to see more of what you're doing. He said, man, you're hungry for the kingdom of God. I want to pour the kingdom of God. What I'm doing in your life and what I'm doing in your community and what I'm doing in your wife's life and what I'm doing in your family's life, I want to see it, God. I just don't want to sing the song. And I know God does a lot, and he doesn't make me uh, privy to all that information. And I'm good with some of that, but I think God wants to reveal much more than what we want to see at times. So we're okay that we don't see it, and we're okay that we don't feel it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not okay with it. I want to see more of the kingdom of God manifest. And I think Jesus saw the kingdom of God manifest because he spent time with the Father. And the Father is bigger than you and I. And the Father wants you to think like he thinks about you and about those around you. And he wants you to ask for his kingdom to come, his reign to come. Through prayer, we see the kingdom of God manifest. You can push the button. Through prayer, we see the kingdom of God manifest. Is that making sense this morning? And I would really like to take about half an hour, 45 minutes on each one of these. But I know, I know somebody in, versus somebody plays the Super Bowl today. Not harassing the 49er fans too much. <laughs> but this let me uncap some of this that through this prayer, maybe we'll go back through this year and we'll take each one of these and we'll, we'll, we'll expound on them. But just know that your Father wants you to see the kingdom of God manifest. Verse 10, continuing in verse 10, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's just not a blank statement. And listen, I can pray, your will be done, amen. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think he wants to communicate his will to us, and then we get hungry to see it, and we continue to ask him for it. Of course I don't want anything that's outside of God's will. 
And of course I expect my father to communicate to me what he does want and me to get on my knees for maybe hours at a time crying out to God that his will would be done, that heaven would be released onto earth. You and I have the right through prayer to release heaven onto earth. He said, do it. Jesus said, do it. That's the way I do it. I spend time with the Father and I see the Father doing things and I hear the Father doing things and then I just release them on earth. That's what I do. You want to do that? Spend time with the Father who's way bigger than you can know, who thinks about you a lot and wants his thoughts to become your thoughts, who wants you to be hungry for his kingdom to manifest in your own life and in the lives of people around you. And wants his will to be done. And he wants you to call heaven to earth. Verse 11 goes on to say this. Give us today our daily bread. And that's not the little book that has the scripture in the... That's cool. You can use the daily bread. But it's really physical needs here. Which does give us the idea of how often we should be spending time with the Father. At least daily if we're asking for our daily bread. So we don't just pick out pieces of this or you're going to end up with half-baked brownies. Well, God knows the rest. Of course he knows the rest. And he wants you to spend time with him so he can tell you the rest. So you can release the rest on this earth. And so that you can cry out for the physical needs that you need. I can remember times in Lancaster when we used to sit around the table and say, God, we need funds, baby. I don't know whether you're going to print it in the basement or whether, what are you ever going to do, but God, I got a couple bucks and I got to have like 450 by the end of the week. I don't know what to do, God, but you know what to do, God. And we cry out for that. And we'd spend time. And I could fill the rest of the couple hours telling you how many times God's come through with physical needs in our life. We ate so much drug rep leftovers from the doctor's office that Cheryl worked at. I mean, we ate day-old stuff from restaurants. I mean, we come home, we thought we'd hit the lottery, baby. We'd come home with subs and so, oh, oh yeah, it's all jacked up. They're all soggy. Who cares? <laughs> I heard a guy call it one time. He worked at McDonald's and they would dump everything at the end. He would bring it home, and that's what he had to eat while he was in Bible college. He called it McManna. <laughs> Are we asking for what we need in life? See, see, I think if we get into a habit of asking what we need in life, we, could, we don't get out of the habit thinking we can do life without God. Yeah, I only need God for the big things. But can you imagine just spending time just in prayer for the next week's groceries? Can you imagine spending time in praying in every physical situation, being proactive in prayer, praying for health before you're sick? Can you pray for better gas mileage in your vehicle? Do you ever do those things? Lancaster, one year, we had 100 gallons of fuel oil, and I've shared this before, 100 gallons of fuel oil in the tank to heat a half of an old house that we lived in, 100 gallons. I said, God, I don't know. I don't have any more money. For, for You're going to have to provide some money again, or, or I don't know what to do here. At the end of the winter, the 100 gallons, which was still about half a tank, half a thing left in the tank, had lasted us all winter. We heated our entire house with less than 100 gallons of fuel oil, an old brick farmhouse. Don't tell me that God doesn't provide your daily needs. We had a dog that was very special to us, a chocolate lab, and she couldn't go to Lancaster with us. And this dog, I'm telling you, this dog would, would, would stare at you until you got off her piece of the couch. <clears throat> she wouldn't snarl at you. She wouldn't bark at you. She, wouldn't, she would just give this, I can't believe you don't love me stare. <clears throat> and I can remember as a family praying that God would send somebody to take care of our dog because we can't take her to Lancaster. It was a heart-wrenching moment. And I can remember our good friend from Rochester, Alan Fess, 
stopped by one time and he loved animals and he loved hunting and he loved dogs and he said he said I don't know if this matters or not but if you need someone to take your dog when you leave for Lancaster I would love to take Bridget and make her one of ours God cares about what you care about too God cares about the physical needs in your life God cares about those things that you need he did you pray for tires and I could go on and go on. I had, we had a Ford Ranger one time. The, the first set of tires had 104,800 miles on them. And they still pass inspection. And just so you know, I never rotated them. 104,800 miles. When I got new tires, the guy says that they're not the original tires. I'm telling you right now, they're the original tires. He flipped them over and there was a date on the back of them. He said, he had these big eyes. And he said, I'm telling you what, they're original tires. I said, I'm telling you what, I know that. 104,800 miles, 104,800 miles on one set of tires. Are we praying for God to provide our physical needs throughout this life? Because when we do and we see that provision, we know that it's God. And we got this working relationship with our dad. And we're crying out. We don't think we can do anything because we can't do anything without God. Oh, I don't need this and I don't need this. I can take care of myself. No, you can't take care of yourself. The scripture says if God had a mind to leave, all men would exist simultaneously. You can't do it without God. I want to build a prayer life that prays for things in this world, my daily bread, the physical things that I need. Through prayer, we, need, we recognize that all provision comes from our dead. Jesus said, you want to know how to pray like me? I relied on my dad every single day for my provision. And when the devil tried to tempt me to make something because I was super hungry, I knew it was from my dad because my dad provides everything. And that wasn't from my dad, and I didn't take it. Verse 12 says this. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Just in, just in my opinion here, I think that's probably where we quit praying this prayer. Because I want to be forgiven, but you, you don't know what that guy did to me. But there's something about prayer, something about coming into the presence of God and coming into your, into your dad's presence. There's something about that. That all of a sudden those things that have drug you down that somebody else has done to you in life, the things that need to be forgiven are no longer big things. And we're able to forgive them and receive forgiveness from God. Through prayer, forgiveness is released. Through prayer, forgiveness is released. If you're having trouble forgiving someone, spend more time with God. Push the button. We'll spend more time with God. If you're having trouble forgiving someone, spend more time with God. Because God is a forgiving God. Nothing is outside of his realm of forgiveness. And he'll give you that same attitude. You'll be able to forgive. But spend time with your dad and realize he's bigger than what you think. Ask for his kingdom to come. Ask for his will to be done. Ask for heaven to be released on earth. Ask for those provisions in your life and spend time with God through those hard moments of what you need to be forgiven for or what somebody else needs to be forgiven for. And lead us not into temptation, verse 13 says. Give us the eyes to see and the wisdom to walk around the temptations. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will, always, all, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up and under it. There's always a way out of temptation. And through prayer, you'll see those doors. Through prayer, you'll see those windows. Through prayer, you'll begin to see the path around temptation. Through prayer, push the button. Through prayer, this is what happens. Through prayer, the path around temptation is discovered. If you're having trouble with temptation in your life, spend more time in prayer. Because God's got the path around that temptation. So we don't walk into the temptation and get dirtied by the temptation.
through prayer, the path around temptation is discovered. Please don't doze off here. Because this is the major one to me. There, this is the, there is one more. We must finish the brownies. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. We are a mist. Push the button. We are a mist. We are, gonna, we are a mist if we think we can grow in relationship with our dad and believe that there's nothing impossible for our dad and have father become the greatest influence in our life and see the kingdom of God manifest and call heaven to earth and recognize that all provision comes from our dad and forgive and for being forgiven and steering around temptation and Satan won't take notice. We're a mist. The last phrase that Jesus says, you want to pray like me, then you need to start asking for deliverance from the evil one. Because the evil one is going to jack you up in this world. And he knows the more you come in relationship with God, the more he wants to get you off your kilter. Because he knows how dangerous you could become. And Satan will take notice. And Satan in the kingdom of darkness is a very real thing. Push the button. I just want to explain it this way. We did this on a Wednesday night. There's a third heaven where God is. Second heaven is the spiritual realm. And the first heaven is where you and I live. That's biblical. I can take you to all those verses. But there's three heavens talked about. And the second heaven that contains the Satan and his crew can pour into the first heaven. And you can't solve, a, I just heard this this week, you can't solve a, a second heaven issue in a first heaven situation without bigger power than what you have right now. Does that make sense? And through Jesus Christ, God hooks us to the Father. So now we have third heaven authority. And we have third heaven power. Does the enemy still have? I heard a guy say this this past week. He said, yeah, enemy still has a gun, but he, has no, he no longer has a badge. You got the authority. The authority has been given to you. So you can ask, deliver us from the evil one. And we can stand strong. And we can say, no, you're not going to impact this family. No, you're not going to get this street. No, you're not going to get this road. No, you're not going to get this workplace. I stand. God, deliver us from the evil one. Because I will be in, I will be in relationship with my Father. I will be calling heaven down from earth. I will see the kingdom of God manifest. I will have my daily needs provided. And you won't stop me. Father, deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from the evil one. The evil one, just, there's, there's literally a hundred names for Satan in the Bible. The evil one. One is adversary. The enemy means destructive rage. Apollyon means destroyer and deceiver, promotes false thinking. He suppresses the word of God. He hinders, uh, puts things in our way to uh, the way of the believer. The oppressor, he uses depression and discouragement as a weapon. He'll beat the guts right out of you with discouragement. He'll beat the guts right out of you with, with depression. And we got a second heaven problem in a first heaven world, and we need a third heaven power to combat the second heaven power that's being dumped into our world. And you and I have the right to do that. And he is the troubler, seeks to invade and limit physical strength. He is the creator of division. He is the tempter. He pushes the wicked and sinful agenda. He is the stimulator of disobedience. If you're having trouble being obedient to God and to his word, you need to spend more time in prayer and say, enemy, get behind me because I am a child of God. But I fear that we stop partway through the prayer. God, just give me what I need for this day. And the enemy can come in and jack you up because you're not asking to be delivered from the evil one. Well, that's a basic package. Then why are you asking for daily bread? If it's all basic package, why are we asking for any of this stuff? Because it's not basic package. It's package to be asked for. 
And deliverance from the evil one is a part of the package deal. It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, it says this, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. See, that's the level of protection for all of humanity. God gives this level of protection against the evil one. Just so you know, if there was no protection for this world against the evil one, this world will die. Because it would take the enemy about half a day to kill every 8.1 billion people on this earth. Because that is what he's bent on doing. So there is this level of protection that God gives us from the evil one. But look what it says in Matthew. Then anyone who hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. Do we ever, oh, man, I can't understand that verse. I can't understand that verse. I can't understand that verse. And then by two days later, you can't even remember the verse. Where do you think it went? Oh, my mind, I just can't remember the things. It's been snatched away at times. Do we ever just wonder if I can just spend time saying, God, protect me from the evil one because I'm endeavoring to figure out this verse and I don't want it to be snatched away from me until I figure it out. Ephesians 6, 16 says this, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Walking around in the Roaring Spring, because that's what I've done in the last three or four months. Keep my body limber while I battle with whatever I'm battling with. And I heard God say the other day, he said, keep your face to the ground, I'm going to talk to you. I said, okay, and I'm walking around. It's a lot easier than the day before. He says, close your eyes and walk down the street. Just so you know, I could get about 100 feet at a time. My faith wasn't great enough. I had to open my eyes. My, my goal is I'm going to walk a whole block with my eyes closed. Just trusting God. But this time he said, look at the ground. And all of a sudden I started seeing these little nerf darts. And I saw more little Nerf darts. And I saw more little Nerf darts. At about five or six Nerf darts I saw along the street. Several places on the street, I heard God say this. They're the ones that bounced off. By the time I got done with two days of walk, I had seen 21 Nerf darts around the streets of Roaring Spring. The enemy is shooting darts at you right now. And we need to be protected from the evil one. We need to be protected. We need to ask God for protection from the evil one. Jesus even prayed in John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. I have taught them how to pray, Father. I have taught them how to pray. But the enemy is going to be trying to steal it from them every single moment of their life. Protect them, Father. Protect them, Father. If we are going to experience the through prayer plan, growing in a relationship with the Father, believing that nothing is impossible for our, God, our dad, having Father become the greatest influence in our life, seeing the kingdom of God manifest, calling heaven onto earth, recognizing that all provision comes from our dad, forgiven Forgive and being forgiven and steering around temptation, you're going to need to ask for protection. Because we will run into the evil one. Last week I shared a verse, Romans 16, 20. Somebody sent it to me last Sunday afternoon or Monday morning. In the, in the Passion Translation... And this is what it said. And the God of peace will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp under your feet. Exclamation point. And the wonderful favor of our Lord Jesus Christ will surround you. And I had spent time on Sunday and Monday, I had spent time just accepting that verse and just believing that verse and just going over that verse over and over and over and over. And on one of my walks the next day, I heard God say this. See, I told you. And I just stopped dead in my tracks when he said that. 
I said, you told me what? And this is what I was standing on. This tar mark is what I was standing on. Push the button. See, I told you you'd stand on Satan. See, I told you I'd, you'd stand on the serpent. Now, I understand that's a tar mark. I really understand that. But what I understand more than it's a tar mark is that it's a message from God. That when you ask for Satan to be put under your feet, I will put him under your feet. When you ask for protection, I will protect you. But it's not part of the package, church. It's part of the asking. If you're at a standstill in your faith, it might be because you need to be delivered from the evil one. Because he's stopping you. Well, God's going to do what God's going to do. No, he's going to do what we ask for in this. Does the enemy have a hold of you today? And if you're reading from the King James, we can say, for thou is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That's really cool. It's not in the original, but that's really cool. He ends with this. Deliver us from the evil one. How about a new life? You need to be delivered from the evil one? Are you at, are you at a standstill in your faith? Are you at a standstill? You don't even know how much you hunger for it anymore? It's time to say to the evil one, you got no more jurisdiction here. In the name of my dad, you, I will get protection. How about you this morning? Or we can just go out of here and continue to live life the way we have. Say, I don't know about all that Satan stuff. I've experienced several more stories that I could share with you. I'm telling you what, the kingdom of darkness is real. If you're having trouble breaking a sin pattern, if you're having trouble with something in your life, if you're having trouble with addiction, it's time to be delivered from the evil one. Can I pray for you this morning? There's someone here who says, you know what, I just need to be delivered from the evil one. I'm not going to call up here and have you. I'm just going to pray for you. But I need you to take a stand and say, I need to be protected from the evil one. Because I have no intention of stopping my faith journey. And I need to be protected from the evil one. Is that you this morning? Would you stand just, just one at a time or whatever so I can, in Jesus' name, I ask, Father, that you would protect Beth from the evil one. That he would no longer have, have fingers in her life. That the worry and the fear and the garbage that he's trying to pour into her would be ceasing today. And the name of Jesus would cease today. That you would protect her from the evil one. Father, for Will, what's ever going on in his life, Lord, give him a new hunger for you, God. That's what I sense he wants. He wants a new hunger for you. And the enemy has robbed his hunger long enough. And Father, I'm asking you to, to, to give him a new hunger, to protect him from the evil one. God, I'm asking you to breathe into him the breath of life like he's never experienced it before. In the name of Jesus, Father, do it. Father, whatever Bill, whatever the enemy is starting to do in Bill's life, that you would stop it right now, Father, that you would protect him against the evil one, that the evil one would get his fingers off of Bill and Bill would run and not grow weary. And Bill would know strength like he's never known it before. Father, for this young buck. Father, I ask that the evil one would get his fingers off this young buck. He's in ninth grade. And no more will the evil one have his fingers on this young man. Who says enough is enough is enough. I want to walk out my relationship with God. So I ask you in the name of Jesus to protect him from the evil one. Father, I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Father, as <laughs> God. God says, look at me. 
I'm protecting you right now. The things that were had a hold of you are losing their grip right this very minute. And you're going to run like you've never run before. You're going to get insights like you've never had in before. Because he's breaking the grip of the enemy in your life right now. He's doing it in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give Eric all that he wants, God. All that he's hungering for right now. That the enemy would be so broken so far from him that you, he would not even be able to know where he's at. Father, that you would protect him against the evil one. You would deliver him from the evil one. The evil one would get his fingers off of Eric. And he too would run and not grow weary. And he would know you at a whole deeper level. And he would know that you're his dad and that you're bigger than he's even known before. You're going to know he's bigger than what you've ever seen before because the enemy's been blocking that from you. Can I pray for anyone else? Father, I ask that you would deliver Jeff from the evil one. I know his heart. He wants to go deep and deep and deep. And Father, he might already be in the 12-foot end of the pool, but he wants to go to the 20-foot end of the pool. And I'm asking that the enemy would get the, the, the inflatables that are around Jeff right now, that the enemy is trying to keep him afloat in the world that would be popped in the name of Jesus. And Jeff would sink deep into this relationship with the Father. And Father, that the enemy, you will, do, you will let Jeff alone. Because the Father says you will. And you succumb to the Father. So in the name of Jesus, go deep, go deep, go deep. In Jesus' name. Father, I'm asking you to take Jimmy deeper and deeper and deeper. Father, whatever's got a hold of his, his shirt and try to hold him up and hold him from going deeper with you, that you would release that. And I'm just getting this word over and over and over in several people that you really will run and not grow weary. And you will know God in a whole new way. And you will see him take you deeper and deeper and deeper. Father, we got a young lady. Pour your mercy on mercy. She wants to go deep with you, God. So protect her from the evil one. Don't let the evil one keep her afloat when she wants to go into the depths with you. She wants to walk out her faith, God. She wants to go deep with you. She wants to really know, not just quote verses about running with God, about being freed from to run and growing, not growing weary. She, she, wants to, she, wants, she wants to know those verses. So I, I called down from heaven your will into her life. Father, I called down that the kingdom would manifest in her life this week, and she would clearly see the manifestation of the kingdom of God in her life. Father, just blow her socks off this week. Deliver her from the evil one. Evil one, you have no more jurisdiction over this young lady and what she's desiring today. In Jesus' name. What you want is on the table. Whatever that is. I don't know what it is. But God says whatever you want, it's on your table. Look. The enemy can no longer cover it up anymore. You will see it this week. You will see what's on your table. Take and eat it in the presence of your enemy because he's, he can no longer block it. You are delivered from the evil one. Father, I pray that you take Jeff deeper and deeper and deeper. And I know that the enemy is trying to throw some hindrances, some troubles into his life physically. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would take that foothold of the enemy away, that thorn away from Jeff this morning, that you would cardiovert him right at this very moment. And the enemy would lose that grip on him, and you would take him deeper and deeper and deeper. And Father, I thank you for that. He too will run and not grow weary. He too will eat from what he hungers, what he hungers for, because the enemy can no longer block it. In the name of Jesus, be delivered from the evil one. Father, I get the sense that you're, the enemy is trying to beat the guts out of John. So whatever that stick or ball bat or 
whatever that is. It's not a pillow. I know that. It's something that's just really ravaging him. So, Father, I ask you to protect him from the evil one. We have the authority with you, Father. I say protect him from the evil one. May the evil one's hands be left, leave John alone. And may he go deaf and be healed from those scars that the enemies beat him. And may that ball bat be thrown into the depths of hell and no longer to be able to come back and haunt John in any way. Father, deliver him from the evil one's grasp. Father, deliver MJ from the evil one's grasp. Father, he wants to go deeper with you. And he wants to go deep and deep and deep. No longer things of the past that are plaguing him, things that he didn't have. You're giving him right now, God. You're going to give him new eyes to see, new ears to hear. Because the enemy, even as deep as he has gone, the enemy has blocked his ears and blocked his sight for how deep you want him to go. So, Father, I'm asking that those blinders are off. The enemy can no longer deliver him in the name of Jesus from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me today, will you? Father, I don't want half-baked brownies. I don't want a half-baked prayer life either. Father, I want to be in the room with you. And I know that there's an enemy in this world that doesn't want me in the room with you. And Father, I know that you can blow him out of my room. But I'm asking you, as this prayer says, ask, ask me to protect you from the evil one. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would protect us from the evil one. And, Father, you would see, and those around us would see, a new freedom that has come as a result of your people saying, no longer, I will be delivered from the evil one. Father, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good day.